Welcome to the Farcast, coming to you every week with insiders and experts to give you insight into the changing economic world. And now, here's your host, Michael Farr. Welcome to the Farcast. I am Michael Farr. Thanks so much for joining us again this week. We have a terrific Farcast for you this week. Uh, Robert Frick from Navy uh, Federal Credit Union is going to be with us, one of the uh, really smartest guys we get to talk to. Uh, they're economists and, and, and uh, are going to get tremendous insights uh, from Bob and is a far cast fan favorite, of course. Then Dan Mahaffey, and we're going to be talking about elections in Washington. Of course, we're going to be talking about the coronavirus and this Saudi-Russia conflict that has taken oil down to $30 a barrel. Um, First, remember that on the forecast, we believe that money is hard to make and that old-fashioned hard work, discipline, dogged research, and a dispassionate investment approach are the keys to successful investing. Emotion is the foe of the long-term investor. And certainly, ladies and gentlemen, these are emotional times. Please don't make emotional decisions. Please be thoughtful, be data-dependent, and be dispassionate. You will get to the right place over time. We're going to try and help you. As we begin this morning, we begin with a Dow Jones Industrial Average that closed at 23,553. The Dow Jones futures uh, are now down 12 or 1,300 points. The futures went down at their limits last night after the president announced that we were going to close and and terminate all flights, uh, incoming flights from uh, uh, Europe, um, passengers from Europe, except for the UK. Uh, And that includes Americans, unless those uh, very few who have been properly screened. The uh, consequences of this virus are increasing, and they are increasing not only in terms of morbidity and mortality, but they are increasing in terms of the economic effects. And we've been talking about those Uh, economic effects for a while. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I'm seeing right now and what I think investors need to think about. But first, I want to welcome Robert Frick. He is the corporate economist for the Navy Federal Credit Union. Um, Navy Federal Credit is the largest credit union in the country with over 8 million members. He was uh, formerly a uh, research analyst at Alliance Center for Behavioral Finance. Uh, background in journalism. He was a senior editor at Kiplinger, a graduate of Penn State University, go Nittany Lions, with a bachelor's degree in journalism and master's degree in business administration. Uh, Bob, we're glad you're with us. Just feel free to chime in. You're wonderful to give us your time. Oh, great. No, thank you very much, Michael. Um, As I'm looking at markets and looking at the president's speech last night and futures are going down, things becoming a little bit more uh, dire or appear so. The increasingly serious reaction to the coronavirus, appropriately focused or not, indicates that government expects a more serious and severe health crisis than the one we're experiencing at hand. Stock futures uh, indicate another drop of 12, 1300 points. They were down even more. Markets are frantically trying to reprice business expectations for a pandemic. What are business expectations during a pandemic? And remember that a 
difference between an epidemic and pandemic is that epidemic is local and pandemic is global. The duration of this health crisis is still unknown. The added complications of an oil glut uh, blur future estimates, future expectations. When healthy conditions return around the country, when we get through this health care crisis, when we recover, when this contagion passes in this country and around the world, markets will have recovered. They will have recovered probably prior to a complete health recovery. Markets tend, tend to be anticipatory. And they'll be operating normally. And while it may take a long time to see Dow 30,000 again, it will happen. Investors need to focus on the long term and endure. Uh, that's what long-term investors do. This, this looks to me as if it will get worse for health outcomes and for markets. Recession appears unavoidable for the U.S. and global economies. And times like this are scary because of the many unknowable unknowns. It's not just what we don't know, it's that we can't know. We've not seen this before. Experts don't know. We all really have to get through this together and, and, and thrive, uh, which is uh, what will happen if the world doesn't end. If the world somehow ends, then we don't have anything to worry about um, uh, in terms of our investments. Yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a game changer. Uh, money won't matter, I don't think, if the world ends. But uh, as it has not for many through many of these other periods, um, we will we will get through. Uh, so think about that long term. Please do not panic, and know that if we can help you, if I can help you, reach out, send me an email. I'm happy to get on phone calls. We were uh, on the phone with a family yesterday, just talking through a long term plan. They have a elderly. Uh, father. They are uh, people who are traveling around the country. They have children coming home from college, and they don't know whether they should be scared of their children coming home from college uh, because there were cases at that college. Um, and we don't have any answers, but we are going to absolutely take care of the financial side. Clients are calling, and others are calling from the media asking me if this is a buying opportunity. And my response is, what does your investment discipline tell you? What does your investment discipline tell you? It is a buying opportunity, uh, largely for most, uh, based on prices and valuations. Things have come down. Earnings will also come down. The fundamentals will deteriorate. So just because a stock price has come down 20% and you say, well, that seems really inexpensive, it may, based on last year's earnings, it may be, uh, be uh, on last year's uh, income and net profits, uh, gross revenues, all of those things. But if we go into recession, which seems very, very likely to me, uh, then you will see those numbers drop. And those numbers will drop, and they could drop 10%. They could drop 15%. They could drop 20%. Uh, those some of those fundamental earnings numbers and top line numbers. Absolutely, the airlines numbers are going to drop, right? Cruise lines numbers are going to drop. Hotel numbers are going to drop. 
restaurant chain numbers are going to drop, begin to take in that full effect of what that looks like, uh, and that we may not have growth for the balance of this year, and perhaps uh, numbers will still be sluggish in the first, second quarter of 2021. What is a what is what really defines cheap all of a sudden? What does, uh, makes it look inexpensive based on these current numbers? One of all, one of the things Wall Street analysts look at talk about is a look through numbers. What are the look through numbers? And they don't do that just now. This is this is a this is an old old term on uh, for analysts on Wall Street trying to see all right. If we have a slow recovery, again, this is one of the unknowable unknowns. Uh, if we have this uh, a slow recovery, if we look out two years, what could our expectations be in two years? Um, and uh, uh, then you can make a sort of a decision. Typically and historically, anytime you've been able to buy stocks down 20 percent, you've made money. You buy them uh, better than that, you're going to uh, you should do better. Most of the time, you make most of your money based on when you buy. When you buy is very important. Futures are are telling or open down another five percent today. That's you know a ten percent drop in two days. Uh, that's pretty significant. Might be eleven percent. Taking the futures to twenty-two thousand from that twenty-nine thousand plus level is a big deal. Stocks are down nearing that 30% level, and I believe they will go down 30%. I think they will hit that. They may go even more than that. Uh, and as we did in 2008 and 2009, uh, those who did well, I think, held their breaths, held their stocks, had good companies with good balance sheets and good cash flow, and they endured. Uh, they are back today with more money than they ever had. And that will be one of our tomorrows, ladies and gentlemen. One of our tomorrows will have us all looking up with more money than we ever had in valuations in our stock accounts. Wish I could tell you when. <laughs> anyway, uh, as we uh, wish I could tell myself when, Bob, I'll tell you that. Uh, not, 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 a, not an easy guess as we, as we all kind of hunker down and go through whatever it is we're going to have to go through. Um, so. We're going to come back and talk with Dan Mahaffey from the Center for the Study of the Presidency and Congress. Dan's going to uh, share us insights about this Biden surge, the uh, uh, Bernie Sanders wilt, and uh, the president's comments last night, what it all means. Will the president get a stimulus package through this Congress, or is the uh, vitriol so intense that nobody's going to do anything no matter what. Weird questions, aren't they, for investors? We're going to try and answer them when we come back on the forecast. Stay with us. Thank you for joining us on the forecast. I'm Harry Jennings, producer for the show. We love bringing you the show every week and bringing you a deeper look at what moves the economic and investing landscape. We also produce a daily podcast, The Farcast 3-Minute Morning Brief. Each morning the U.S. markets are open, we bring you just the numbers that you need. Markets, headlines, commodities, and futures, all in the time it takes to brew a cup of coffee. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform and get a head start on the markets every day. And now, back to Michael Farr 
and the Farcast. Welcome back to the Farcast, and now here's your host, Michael Farr. Welcome back to the Farcast. I am Michael Farr. Thanks so much for joining us uh, and being with us this week. Of course, we've got the great Robert Frick from the Navy Federal Credit Union, chief economist, 8 million members at Navy Federal Credit, and now Dan Mahaffey, our senior political analyst on the Farcast from the Center for the Study of the Presidency and Congress in Washington, D.C., their policy expert, our policy expert. Welcome, Dan. Good morning, Michael. Thank you for having me. Yes, indeed. Thanks for being with us. Well, Dan, the president addressed the nation last night about coronavirus uh, and talked about steps that we are going to take. It was a little bit of a two-parter, one, in terms of restricting travel uh, for uh, uh, the next month from Europe, um, and also uh, the, his promises and his requests from uh, to Congress uh, mm-hmm. for the economy. And we also hear that he's got quite a temper when it comes to Jay Powell. Where would you like to start, Dan? <laughs> Well, well, why don't we uh, work backwards on that real quick? Because let's talk about the uh, the temper with Jay Powell and where we're moving on Congress with some of these economic measures. Um, you know, I think we've parsed out how much uh, this ban on travel to Europe is going to affect uh, people there. We already see the the footage of people crowding the check-in counter at Paris Charles de Gaulle. Uh, people trying to rush back. Uh, I last heard it was twenty thousand dollars a ticket to get back. Uh, wow. to the U.S. by Friday. Um, so there's uh, this has created a lot of panic. The, and now that we're seeing the virus circulating within the United States, a lot of people are wondering why Why now? What is this? Uh, what does this accomplish? Uh, although I think it, it is a White House that is responding to criticism that they, they did not show action. But uh, in their toolbox, border closures and travel restrictions are, are probably at the top of the toolbox. So that's uh, that's where we've we've arrived uh, at that. Um, Dan, when I hear you say that, it sounds uh, I'm hearing maybe right or wrong that uh, that you might be a little bit critical of that toolbox. I'm a little dismissive of it at this point because the the data and if you if you listen to epidemiologists, we're we're now at the point where we need to be focusing a lot more on rolling out testing, looking at the example of a country like South Korea. Where they just they went after this, just testing everyone, drive-through testing, testing at subway stations, uh, and and you see how that that testing and immediate isolation really controls this. I the experts seem but to I think that we're on, past that point. I don't know that Dan. I, I don't know. So, so mm-hmm. tell me about the results in in South Korea. I've seen all the testing, but I don't know mm-hmm. what what happened as a result. Well, it, it's not best for a, a podcast, but if you were to look at a graph of, of the countries that are on, uh, who have experienced these outbreaks, that uh, the United States and Italy and a lot of the other European countries are on kind of this uh, 33% growth rate exponentially uh, taking off type of growth rate. While you look, on the other hand, at, at South Korea, where it started to grow, it started to spike, but then the number of cases has plateaued off. And each day's new cases are starting to decline. That's what you want to see. And the South Koreans were able to do that just by rolling out testing kit after testing kit and, and testing hundreds of thousands of people. Okay. All right. 
and and so uh, you, your your suggestion is that our our toolkit, our government, that the one we're using is not as effective, uh, will not be as effective as others. Yeah, what we'll see is these delays in testing will be the will be truly, I think, what uh, what delayed the U.S. response. And if we if we have severe ramifications of, from this, this was the window where it could have been uh, better handled, perhaps. Uh, okay. But now we need to focus much more on preparations for school closures, uh, disruptions of uh, of events on the uh, you know plays, cinemas, things like that. Uh, we may see areas of the United States start to look closer to uh, Italy in reality. You know, one of the lines uh, in one of my children's uh, uh, story books, um, my children now are 26 and 27, but one that sticks with me uh, was the rain starts stopping when the drops stop dropping. And uh, the drops have not stopped dropping and the rain has not started stopping here. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, this is we we are still uh, seeing this develop and not in a good way. We haven't hit that nadir in this process, mm -hmm. have we? No, we have not. And this is too where I think we get to the point of uh, on the economic side. And when we start to talk about the shape of an economic package or, or stimulus response, one, we, we don't know the scope of it. So when you hear these things, obviously, about targeted aid or uh, payroll tax cuts, I think we all need to consider this. You know, there, there's no moral hazard in a disease outbreak. Uh, no one, you know, this isn't because someone has overextended or over leveraged or. We're not uh, bailing out banks. Yeah, we're not we're bailing not, out fat We're not bailing cats. out the rich, yes. Yeah, at this point, everyone's in the same boat. And the, the discussions need to be, of course, what is the package that gets uh, the immediate thing? So funding for testing, support for states that have to deploy their National Guard, uh, money for wage earners so they uh, don't have to come in sick. Uh, all those things need to be part of the package. But longer term, yes, we are going to have to think about uh, payroll tax cuts or how do we get cash into people's pockets so that even if uh, industry is taking government loans to bridge this, you want them to be able to pay it off quickly. So let's have money in people's pockets. Let's start having that economic discussion. But we're not going to have that if everyone's uh, queuing to their 2008 orthodoxies on government intervention. You started, we're, and we're already, we're, we're, we're behind time in our segment here, Dan, but you started with Jay Powell uh, or the president's uh, uh, anger and displeasure with him. Lower interest rates lower interest rates don't strike me as having any capacity, any ability, any efficacy in attacking this problem of a slowing economy due to a pandemic disease. Neither a virus nor, get... Yeah, neither a virus nor a scared person care about the cost of money. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. That's exactly right. I'm not, not borrowing money because it's too expensive. I'm not not growing my company or refinancing bonds because my, uh, if my my airline is not flying, not because of money, but because of this uh, disease and because people aren't showing up. That's how you have to cure it. And we have to take care of the people. And perhaps a focus on those people will take care of the stock market. Perhaps, Mr. President, less of a focus on the stock market outcome right now and what that might mean for your reelection chances and a little more focus on how we're going to get the American people through what appears to be something more serious than we thought. Dan, uh, 
tell us uh, if if you would about the um, uh, about the uh, uh, elections uh, mm -hmm. and these uh, primaries and what's going on. It seems that uh, Vice President Biden is surging. Vice President Biden is surging. He has effectively consolidated a large segment of the uh, Democratic primary electorate. Uh, you know, as much as Sanders talked about bringing out new voters, it's actually been Biden bringing out uh, disaffected Republicans and educated suburbanites, uh, as well as shoring up the African-American coalition that is key for any Democratic uh, candidate's success. So Biden's coalition and I think there's a, a good way to think of it of, uh, in the bulwark online. Uh, they say, always remember in political science that coalitions are stronger than movements. Um, and it's because you can bring together, got it. And you can bring those elements together in a way that you get people to the polls. And, and Biden uh, is certainly looking at a, a segment of the American population that is probably, they would say, either center right to center left, but just fed up with the way things are going. Um, so, Dan, I, I keep hearing uh, Senator Sanders' voice echo, uh, saying, I'm going to bring America together. And, uh, mm -hmm. and it doesn't quite seem that he's even, as he continues down this road, bringing his party together. Uh, so for the past four years, he did an excellent job of building a, a network, building a movement. And he is going to have an impact if you look at the demographics, uh, young people's attitudes. The Democratic Party in, in 20 years could very well, or, or if not sooner, be Bernie Sanders' Democratic Party. He just didn't do it yet. And that's what Biden has taken advantage of. And with the backdrop of Donald Trump and concerns about electability, uh, Biden was able to prevail. So it, okay. it, it's mathematically, it's, it, it, it would require, yeah, Sanders, is, it would require as, as, as significant a U-turn as Biden's original U-turn for him to be knocked out. But I think Sanders still wants to have this debate. He still wants to. Why? Uh, Why? Why? I think Why? He, he sees this uh, part of its ego. I think part of it's the uh, continuing that movement. Part of it is to announce those ideas of, of socialist ideas, the ideas of his movement on a national stage. Uh, you know, it's, it'll be the only one on one. Uh, you just hope that he doesn't do so much damage trying to get his points across that uh, it weakens uh, the Democratic Party. Not, not you particular, but if one were a Democratic leader. Yes, got it. Okay. Uh, and finally, Dan, and let's do this very quickly. We still have disruptions around the world, uh, more missile attacks in Iraq. We have uh, Kim Jong-un, I can't imagine what in God's name he's thinking, uh, uh, still launching missiles over from North Korea. Uh, what 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 is going on? Um, what what's going on there? Yeah, just because there's coronavirus, the world hasn't calmed down. We know in in Iraq there was the attack on the base uh, with the U.S. and British forces. Uh, that's going to continue to be those Shiite militias that are are sponsored by Iran. And and even though Iran is, I think, very distracted with their own uh, COVID outbreak. Uh, they are going to continue to use those militias to make life difficult for U.S. forces uh, and allied forces in Iraq. Uh, North Korea, too, uh, you know, half jokingly, you know, maybe they're launching their uh, coronavirus patients into the ocean. I wouldn't put it off them. <laughs> uh, but no, this is uh, this is where also in, in a time of crisis, Kim Jong-un, you know, wants to make sure that there's still attention on him and and so there, there's that element of it. But if you look at actually what's being tested in North Korea, 
they're using this window to really improve their artillery and rocket artillery capabilities for any war on the peninsula. Uh, it shows that, that they're they're confident in their technological progression when it comes to ballistic missiles that can reach Japan and the United States. So now they want to focus more on theater capabilities and the ability to put uh, nasty weapons in places like U.S. bases in South Korea uh, or cities of like Seoul or Busan. Ladies and gentlemen, lots to think about this week as we try and address the concerns of a government dealing with coronavirus in a presidential re-election year, uh, an economy that is facing headwinds, a stock market that is hitting an air pocket, uh, and we will get through this together. Terrific insights from Dan Mahaffey. Thank you, Dan. And even more, ladies and gentlemen, when we come back on the forecast with Robert Frick. Uh, from the Navy Federal Credit Union when we come back on the forecast. Thank you for joining us this week on the forecast. If you would be interested in Michael Farr delivering a presentation at your upcoming event or seminar, we are booking now for 2020, and I'd be happy to work with you on potential dates. Please contact me, Harry Jennings, at hjennings at farmiller.com or give me a call at 202-530-5608. You can watch Michael's recent presentation at the University of Delaware's annual Economic Forecast on Facebook. Go to the Lerner College Facebook page, that's L-E-R-N-E-R, -E and scroll down to videos. Michael's presentation begins at about the 45-minute mark. And now, back to Michael Farr and the Farcast. Thank you for joining us on the Farcast. And now, back to your host, Michael Farr. Welcome back to the Farcast. I am Michael Farr. Appreciate you staying with us for segment three. Uh, this, this, is, uh, this is a terrific treat to have Robert Frick, corporate economist at the Navy Federal Credit Union, over 8 million members back with us on the forecast. Thanks so much for being with us, Bob. Always a pleasure. Well, Bob, we have uh, been talking on the forecast this morning about, uh, you know, Wall Street, Washington, and the world and how we navigate coronavirus. We haven't really touched much on the price of oil. We should probably do that. And what's an investor to do through all of this? I can't think of a better person to have on. Tell us what you're thinking. Well, I'm with you as usual, Michael. Um, sitting Bless tight is the, <laughs> well, is the best thing to do. I, I gave a lot of investment advice for a number of years and I was saying earlier that a friend of mine just came into some money and he asked me, I'd never invested, where should I put my money? And I said, well, you know, just put it in this one fund, which has all the stuff you need in it. And then he won't want to mess with the component parts, but take a chunk of that money and just put it in a money market fund, fund on the side. And this is your psychological, um, this is your magical box. This is your psychological anchor. Don't worry as long as you have this money, right? So he called me a couple of weeks ago and he said, uh, Bob, I, I never did put that money on the side. Is it too late? And I'm like, yeah, it's too late. It's way too late. You, you yeah. missed your chance. I told you to do that for a reason. And I said, now you're just going to have to 
um, waited out. And the other part, which I didn't tell him, was when things get really bad, and this was back in, say, December, November, so we had no idea this was coming. You have that pot of money, and I don't like to time the market, but every once in a while, there's an opportunity, and you want to put that money in the market. And that's what I've started doing, right. is dollar cost average, very, you know, not a huge portion of my portfolio, but I did it in 2008, 2009, when I also happened to have a kind of a hunk of money, and I made out really well with it. So... Stay the you know, course. Your, your friend, your friend sounds like he might need a little more guidance and support. So I would uh, add a suggestion of Far Miller and Washington uh, to your fund advice. Next <laughs> okay, time. we we could have gotten into that right place. I I I, I promise. Hey Bob, have you? Uh, so you've been doing this uh, a long time without making you look as old as I. But uh, you know. Tell, have you ever seen anybody sell out during periods like this, go to cash where it really worked out well for them? Well, no, no, it never works out well for them. And um, you can yell at them. You can reason with them. You can use, you know, I'm a, I'm a behaviorist. I, I use a lot of behavior and nudging and that sort of thing. Um, when fear grips someone, um, they head for the exits and to them, Taking a loss and having cash is the better choice. Um, and they figure, oh, well, I'll always get back in before it goes back up, and they never do. Right. By the way, you said nudge them, and I'm, I'm sure you probably have read that book. If you haven't, ladies and gentlemen, I commend it to you very strongly. Nudge uh, is a book I've read recently that I thought was terrific by Richard Thaler and Cass Sunstein. Uh, nudge. It was a New York Times bestseller. It's called Improving Decisions About Health, Wealth, and Happiness. Have you read it, Bob? Nudge. I've, act I've actually personally worked with Richard Thaler. Um, oh, when, I, when I was deep into behavioral economics, and we have a behavioral economics program here at Navy Federal, which is helping our members. And um, yeah, so I'm, I know all those guys. Uh, Dan Ariely, Slomo Benarzi, um, Richard Thaler, I know all, the, all those guys, and I read everything they write. That's neat. Uh, it's really, really, really good, really good reads. Uh, just, ladies and gentlemen, so you might identify, I want to tell you just quickly about clients uh, I've had for many years in 2008 and 2009. In the fall of 2008, uh, this couple, a uh, difference in age of about 15 years, Husband at about 70, wife uh, mid-50s, mid-50. They had uh, some teenage children. Their youngest child was about 10 uh, years old. And um, their total funds uh, invested were about a million one, uh, 1.1 million. They own their own home. They don't have a mortgage. And he continues to work. She does not work outside of the home. And... Uh, they called and said, Michael, we've got to sell. This was in the fall of 2008. The market had not made its lows, but it was very, very low. And I said, you, you, you can't do it. You, this, you just, you really can't. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's wrong. Michael, we just can't. We're not sleeping. We have to have the cash. We, we understand you're telling us this is wrong. Sell. And I'm going to guess, ladies and gentlemen, that the Dow was around uh, 8,000, might have been 8,500, something like that. 
And indeed, it went down to 6,700. And for that whole period, at different times when I saw them, they said, and you said not to do this. Ha, ha, ha. We feel safe. We feel good. We feel relieved. They called me back at Dow 14,000 to reinvest. They waited till it went past 8,500. They were sure there was going to be another drop. It hit 10,000 again. They were sure it was going to go down. Uh, at 14,000, they called and said, Michael, we think we should get back into the market. And I, I mean, I almost screamed on the telephone. I was like, really? Really? You, you now it went from 8,500. You felt good for 2,000 points. And now you want to get to 14,000. And I thought 14,000 was a new high. What the hell did I know? I didn't know that we were going to, you know, 29,000. Who knew? But uh, at least they, they got in. You know, um, my friend Freddie Towers used to say that the best time to buy stocks was when you had money. And the best time to sell stocks is when you needed money. And otherwise, don't pay attention. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of wisdom in that, don't you think, Bob? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I've been fighting these behavioral psychological battles for years. And I did a, uh, uh, a video not too long ago in which I basically railed against uh, people who don't know anything about investing trying to become investment gurus or listening to gurus and how easy you can build a portfolio just by buying one or two funds that have all the funds you need within them. And, or by calling Farmiller and Washington. Or by, exactly. Um, yeah. uh, you know, or getting a good, a good <laughs> advisor, exactly. But um, I constantly am finding people, people I work with, friends of mine, who are pulled in all these different directions by sometimes uh, untrustworthy financial advisors who throw them into you know, expensive annuities and, and crazy real estate limited partnerships. And it's like, if you know what you're doing, great. But if you don't know what you're doing, it's just so simple to put yes. your money in a nice, you know, a target date fund or a, a portfolio fund, that sort of thing. And that's what I recommend for most people. If you want to go further, great. But for people who don't know what they're doing, let the experts handle it. And, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you some advice about choosing your experts. Uh, choose experts with with a lot of experience. Try to look for wisdom as opposed to data. I promise wisdom will make you more money. Uh, wisdom will keep you safer than data. And data is so impressive. You know, the, the folks who will sit and just spiel out uh, number after number and, you know, some of us learn how to do that so that we can compete uh, with those folks and sound credible when we need to. But really, knowing what you don't know and staying out of trouble uh, will make you as much money as having a good idea. Now, if, right. if you're going to listen to anything I've ever said on this entire podcast, listen to that, please. Knowing what you don't know. And staying out of trouble will make you as much money as a good idea uh, any day. Just stay out of the trouble and stay invested. Listen I'm, to Bob Frick. I mean, well, honest I'm, to God. And unfortunately, our behavior has us wired so that we think we know more than we do. We're overconfident. Um, and a little bit of information makes, makes people even more overconfident. And as you know and as I know, you need a lot of wisdom, a lot of time in the market, and 
a lot of self-control to be able to manage a portfolio through times like these. And if you're just starting out, you don't have it. And I, you know, I made the same mistakes when I was younger, but by the time the dot-com bubble came around and the real estate bubble came around, I was ready and I took advantage of those and I did, I did pretty well. Um, but man, if you're just starting out and you're not in the business, and if you don't know anything about investing and some commercial comes on and says, you know, just call up our advisor and we'll help you with your strategy. No, don't do it. You don't know enough, you know, have an expert. You know, the, sc the, the scariest, the scariest ones that I see, and they have them at all of these like money shows and investor conferences are the technical people who, who oh, right. show you the chart and it'll circle all of the bottoms and say, we cast, we would have given you a signal to buy here. And then they put a little green dot up at the top of the trading range historically and say, we would have told you to sell here. Well, no, they wouldn't. You've got some <laughs> schmo standing in some sort of arena behind a folding table trying to give you investment advice. God right. almighty, pay attention, folks. If they were any good at it, they wouldn't be standing behind the folding table. So, uh, you know, right, one, of the, right, right. one of the most credible, I swear to God. I mean, no, you're right. You're folding, right. I mean, you know, yeah. and the most comforting thing that you're going to hear, credible thing from experienced people, experienced investors, is I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't have I don't know. Uh, and the longer I do this, truly, the, the, the less I know. What I know is the, that I have done very well relying on long-term trends uh, based on the overall growth in the global economy, the U.S. Right. economy, and corporate America. Right. Those long-term trends make money, right? Right. And right now, we're at a period where the I don't know is incredibly powerful because if someone says, I do know, and this is the bottom, then you have to run away because run. there's just too much chaos. And I'm talking to our you know, people here at Navy Federal, and I'm asking, um, you know, do we have any data yet that's showing us where this is going to end? No, we don't. We don't know. No. And they're, they're honest no. about it. And, yes. and so what we're doing is we're in a period of chaos where we don't know what's going to happen and we're patiently waiting for concrete signs on which we can you know start to make some forecasts and until that happens it's very disconcerting um, but if you've been through this before you realize that we're in kind of a free fall period and you just gotta enjoy it you know and just, you know, <laughs> well, uh uh, well, I mean, the enjoy it. I mean, you, you kind of have to be a little warped if you're really going to enjoy it, or you've well, got to have a lot of cash. Well, the the way the way I enjoy it, Michael, is yeah, I look at us. some of the talking heads on Scotch. TV, and when they, well, yeah. bourbon, but you're you're on the right track. Yeah, um, yeah. The um, I look look at some of the talk the talking heads on TV, and I write down things and I'll tweet some of these things out. You can follow me uh, on Twitter, but. Somebody wait, said, wait, how do we follow you on Twitter? Um, it's Robert Frick NFCU is my uh, my Twitter handle. But somebody Robert Frick NFCU on Twitter. Yeah. Perfect. And I'm do that. I think it was, um, you know, again, you need a little bit of comic relief. And somebody I think it was on CNBC said, um, you know, 
I can't believe, you know, that the volatility isn't more smooth. Like, <laughs> right? You know, it's like that's that's a gem, you know. And I love but, that. Um, on the other hand, what I just said, I cribbed from Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg, <clears throat> who's a guy I like to listen to, and and he said, if somebody tells you that you've hit bottom, um, and now's the time to invest, walk away from your radio. I mean, yes. those are good. Those are great nuggets. But you know, Jim Cramer has given me many hours of laughter, and um, <laughs> and I, I, you know, I look at I look at um, people saying that the market is going up because of this reason or that reason. No one knows at this point. It could be sunspots. I had people last night after um, President Trump's saying, "Oh man, the rocket's going to zoom tomorrow." And then people saying the rocket's going to tank, the market's going to tank tomorrow. They both had valid opinions, right? But right. The proof of the, but we're finding out today that it's probably more tank than zoom. Um, but who knew? No one knows. Um, and it's just kind of comfort to wrap yourself in chaos and wait for you know the fog to blow out. And then when things become clear, now you can make good decisions, but they're not clear yet. Uh, that is great advice from Robert Frick from the Navy Federal Credit Union. One final word from you, Bob. I'm sorry we're out of time. This has been fabulous. I mean, what a great deal of information and wonderful advice for our listeners and investors. Uh, your view about uh, the uh, a recession in right. the U.S. And, or a global recession, what are your odds at this point? Well, over 50-50, um, you know, there were, I've always been very conservative, and people were saying that there'd be a June 2020 recession a year ago, and I, I couldn't see it. It wasn't in the cards. Inflation was low. The job market was still strong. Everybody was surprised that so many more workers were being added, but if you look at the numbers, there are plenty, millions of Americans who still wanted to work. So I was yes. the one saying all along, I don't see recession 2020 or even 2021. Now this comes along. What could happen, which is, uh, you know, I'm not going to say probable, but has a high degree of probability, is uh, people get going to get laid off. Consumer confidence is going to get shaken. 70% of GDP is consumer spending. Spending is going to go down. We're going to slip into contraction. There'll be a contraction. Um, I'm not saying yep. that with 100% confidence, but I think that's um, uh, certainly has a high degree of, of possibility. Of course but, you're not saying it with 100% confidence. You've got too much experience to say right. anything with 100% right. confidence. But I am saying, before I wasn't saying it was possible, and now I'm saying right. it's probable, but given the economy was doing well when we're going into this thing, you know, as of last month, I'm expecting and maybe it's just a wish, but I'm expecting that we have kind of a, a dot-com recession, a mild recession. We bounce back quickly. Um, we still have plenty of jobs uh, yet to be filled. And assuming the rest of the world bounces back roughly the same time we do, um, we could be out of this thing before the end of the year. And as you said earlier, the market will front run the economic recovery. And that's why people shouldn't wait for the economy to be going 
firing on all eight cylinders before they invest. That's why you stick to your investments. And if you have a little bit of cash, dollar cost average in, you know, as the market's going down, you will thank, you will thank us later. You, you should send us a check, but send us a will, check. I love but, that. Far or buy Frick with an ICK, ladies and gentlemen. Far and bourbon. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Robert Frick, Robert Frick from the Navy Federal Credit Union. That wraps it up for us on another forecast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back next week. We may be back earlier, depending on what happens in the markets. I will be on CNBC uh, tomorrow afternoon at uh, 2 o'clock on Power Lunch to discuss whatever in God's name has happened between now and then uh, and try and help you make sense of it as you settle in for your weekends. One final uh, sad note. Uh, last week, uh, my longtime friend and partner, John Washington, founder of Farm Miller in Washington, died at the age of 99. He was a wonderful man, dignified and elegant, thoughtful, caring, funny. Uh, he was the one who basically coined uh, the motto for our firm, uh, which is always do whatever's best for the client. John Washington always said, always do whatever's best for the client. Uh, generations benefited from John's wisdom and kindness and intellect, and they will continue to do so for generations to come. He was a great, dear friend of mine. I am grateful for the gift he was in my life. My life's a lot better because John Washington passed through it, and I will miss him a lot. I will uh, miss you, ladies and gentlemen, until next week. I will be back on the forecast reporting today from Naples, Florida. Thank you for joining us on this week's forecast, and a special thanks to Michael's guest, Dan Mahaffey, from the Center for the Study of the Presidency and Congress, and Robert Frick, Chief Economist of Navy Federal Credit Union. The Farcast is produced by Michael Farr and Harry Jennings and is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and all major podcast platforms. We are with you every week, and recent episodes have featured experts and insiders on the continued spread of the impact of the coronavirus. Please subscribe and share with a friend. Knowledge is the best tool in times of turmoil. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at Farcast at farmiller.com. Let us know any questions that you have, topics that you'd like us to cover as we produce our weekly shows. We would like to remind you that the Farcast podcast is for informational purposes only and it should not be considered legal or financial advice. Any mention of a specific security should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell, and please be aware that past performance is not a guide to the future performance of any index fund, manager, or strategy. Before you make any investment decision, we strongly recommend you consult with a financial professional to determine what may be best for your individual needs and, and your goals. And if we can be of assistance at Farm Miller in Washington, please reach out to us at hjennings at farmmiller.com, and I'll be happy to put you in touch with one of our investment professionals. Go beyond the headlines each week with the Farcast, Wall Street, Washington, and the world. <laughs>